I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. I manhandle that little baby. Welcome into Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons, and I'm joined with Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. You can follow me on Twitter at F-Words Pod. We have to get through this episode fairly quickly because our very own Mike Herndon just got a text saying that, hey, bud, we may have forgotten about you, but you're allowed to come to training camp and cover it. So we got to get his ass out of here and get him to the practice field so we can get some good, good tidbits from Mike Herndon on Twitter. So you got to be following. Put your alerts on for at Mike Miracles. Mike, let's... We got a lot to get to because I, there's a lot we want to talk about, obviously. So let, let's switch off training camp mode for a second. And let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson situations because these situations are highly comical and just insane. It's just insanity surrounds it all. So let's start with Aaron Rodgers real quick. Rumor has it you are about to quit the podcast if we and are threatening – Now, you'll have to confirm this because my sources tell me that you're threatening to leave unless you get the next two episodes only to yourself, fully guaranteed time, and we have to trade for Internet Keith. Is that true? That is true. Um, Rumors are correct. Uh, Yeah, I'm if you bring in Internet Keith, I will agree to stay, Um, but you have to you have to bring him to me. Will Internet Keith be be a little myth that he got just got compared to Randall Cobb? Um, probably. Yeah, he's <laughs> probably not going to talk to me anymore. They probably have the same kind of legs, right? You know, kind of a little slow plotting at this point. You think he's still fast? I mean, I don't know if fast would ever have been a word I would have used to describe him. I think um, average speed, you know, uh, he was a hustler. He was a grinder. Uh, that kind of guy. So, so the Packers are really going to concede to all of his demands, and and spend draft capital and trade for Randall Cobb. First off, why does Aaron Rodgers even want Randall Cobb? Do you, is this just something to prove that hey, I got a little more power? You know, I really don't care if Randall Cobb's here, but hey, let's just throw it in. Like, is he just fucking with the Packers at that point, just saying, hey, let's agent let's throw in uh some random guy to trade for hey get them to trade for randall cobb i'm surprised they didn't make them also sign jordan jordy nelson yeah um but yeah it, it is kind of an odd i mean randall cobb hasn't been really super relevant in several years i mean he was okay i guess last year with the texans he's on a terrible contract um so i don't know if they're gonna just eat that money or if they're gonna ask the texans to eat some of that money or or how all that's gonna go together but yeah it's a bizarre request it does feel a little bit like hey this guy's my buddy and i'd just rather have him here so um hey packers go make that happen so um yeah i I don't know what he brings to the table as a football player anymore though i mean are they not better with marcus valdez scantling and uh lazard and all the other guys that they've got up there that have kind of developed into pretty good little receivers for them yeah, I don't understand where he fits on the depth chart that he's going to see significant snaps. That's why I kind of feel like it was just kind of like a power move, a power play, if if you will. Um, I mean, what the hell? Like, this guy, 
I, I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, he doesn't have the personality, in my opinion, like Tom Brady does where, okay, yeah, I kind of like Tom Brady, even though he may be annoying and convince, you know, millions of people that it's possible to throw a ball on the reverse side of a jugs machine that is physically and scientifically impossible to do while it's running. And, but, you know, he's just fucking around and he, he duped a bunch of idiots on the internet and Aaron Rodgers here. I don't get, I just don't get any of it. I get the idea of getting freedom, right? And I get the idea of freeing up some cap space by working your contract for Devontae Adams. Because obviously, the the money that is being freed up is going to be able to get the Devontae Adams thing done. But on the flip side, get, demanding Randall Cobb to be the guy that you trade for when you could demand a better receiver, if that's the case, at some point. And, I mean, this is like demanding that the Titans sign Golden Tate. Like, Randall Cobb is Golden Tate to me. They're, they're the same kind of player. I, I don't care what anybody says. They're, they're the same guy at the same stage of their, their career. But what does this say about Jordan Love? That this team is willing to make all these concessions to get Aaron Rodgers here and trade for a worthless player just to make sure that Jordan Love doesn't see the field. Does this say more in your mind about his development or more that they realize they can't win a Super Bowl right now with Jordan Love, but they feel like they can with Aaron Rodgers, even though that between the last 30 years, between Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, they've only won two? Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's a, a, a little short-sighted on their part because not only are they taking on this money in this Randall Cobb contract, um and they're lopping off a couple years of Rodgers's deal and I think I believe the deal is that they're going to make it to where he basically can be a free agent next year um and so they're going to do this all for Rodgers to likely walk at the end of next season for nothing um which just to me seems extremely short short-sighted when they could trade Rodgers uh, and get a, a haul of draft picks right now. I mean, like people would definitely come off a couple first round draft picks for Aaron Rodgers right now, even at his age, even with him being a little bit of a pain in the ass, even if he made those teams subsequently trade for Randall Cobb. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, so I don't understand. I mean, I, I guess they're all in on winning the Super Bowl this year um, is kind of their stance. But if that was the case, shouldn't they have, you know, traded for Julio Jones or, or done something like that to, uh, to kind of help push them over the top rather than just, you know, begging Rogers to come back and trading for dusty ass Randall Cobb. I mean, don't you think people tried to trade for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that it's the same thing like with this Deshaun Watson story that we're going to about to get to. Don't you think people have tried, have called? I mean, to me, it seems like, okay, people have called and probably have thrown out a few, few offers, nothing concrete, but you know, kick the can. You know, why not if, if I, I don't understand teams holding on the players too long because they have this this idea that a that it's all going to work out in their favor. It, it Someone's always getting screwed in these situations, whether it's the player or the team that's holding on to the player too long. But a, a player like a, of Aaron Rodgers status that has now strong armed a team and given him what he wants without sacrificing anything and forcing them to trade for a player. Well, does this set a terrible precedent for the rest of the NFL in the years to come? I mean, is Patrick Mahomes going to be, you know, requesting trades for 
random Texas uh, Tech University players that are out of the league that he used to play college football with. I mean, what, what's his, what's going to happen? Here? Cameron Batson. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna force the Kansas City Chiefs to trade for Cameron Batson. I mean, this is a a what I don't see people talking about. I I see people saying that he, there's two sides of it, right? People are saying that, oh, well, nothing ever gets done. The player always goes back to the same team. Look at Wilson. Look at Watson. Look at the Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. They all are staying with the team that they wanted. And then there's the people like PFT who said that, oh, this is the first time it's ever happened that a player has demanded a trade and, and gotten what he wanted and blah, 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 and expressed displeasure. Both those things are not true. But – what I don't see anybody talking about is this precedent. Does this set a dangerous precedent for, for teams? I think for the team, sure. I mean, it, but it's just reality, right? I mean, these quarterbacks do have that kind of power because, you know, not only are they, um, you know, the guy that the most important position in football, clearly uh, not only are they the guy that, that can make or break a season for you, um, but they're also the biggest marketing piece for these franchises. I mean, the, these all these franchises are built around Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they are the franchise, right? So, of course, they've got power. And, of course, you know, if a guy becomes disgruntled or just has that, you know, motivation to to want to leverage it into something – I, you know, he's going to be able to make that happen. And I think that's, you know, Rogers and, and these guys, maybe the first, uh, they really aren't the first to do it, but they are um, doing it now and doing it in a way that, you know, maybe does set a little bit of a precedent moving forward um, for guys like Mahomes. But I mean, I think Mahomes is a very different personality type. Now we, we may, not see uh or we may see that change over the years but rogers has always been kind of a whiny bitch right i mean this is this is is on brand for aaron Rodgers. um so i i think uh you know it'll it'll depend i mean i think some guys will do it some guys won't um but I, i don't think i don't think it's great for teams i think it is a team admitting that hey this player is more important than um really like our future you know like uh, just having him is is critical well speaking of the future and having players that are critical deshaun watson to nobody's surprise is now on the trading block now you'll you've heard people since this news broke on sunday that oh this changes the landscape of the afc south and you know people are getting their mileage out of it on their little tv shows and stuff you know here's the thing Deshaun Watson was never playing for the Texans. This essentially changes nothing because even if the Texans do get three first for him, this changes nothing for the AFC South. Let me, let me first preface that at the the way the AFC South stands that he was never taking a snap for the Houston Texans in 2021. Now saying that, even if the Texans do end up getting three first, we're talking about a team that drafted Davis Mills in the third and signed a bunch of practice squad players to fill their team. It wouldn't even matter that they have three first to eventually fuck up because it doesn't change anything because they still have the shittiest general manager around and they have no clue what they're doing inside that organization. So here's the thing though, demanding three first after the draft is lunacy 
if you needed to trade Deshaun Watson, you should have traded Deshaun Watson before the draft because now the teams that can trade for him are technically you hear Denver and you hear Philadelphia. They have the draft capital, right? Denver has a salary cap space. Philadelphia does not have the cap space for Deshaun Watson's contracts for the future either, because Deshaun Watson is getting paid is going to count you count against your cap. $35.5 million in 2022. Now in saying all that, in, I don't understand what's going on in Houston, and I don't understand. I don't see how a team can trade for a player three first round picks when that said player isn't out of the woods on his suspension. Because right now the NFL's put out a statement where they basically say they hit a, hit a roadblock in their investigation essentially because they can't they can't do their own investigation while the police is doing theirs because the police and the the lawyers and everybody involved are worried that it could interfere with something because they haven't even talked to all the civil plaintiffs and everything so that he can still be suspended they're they're nowhere near the tip of the iceberg on their own Deshaun Watson investigation so in saying all that i mean it's this is good news for Titans fans, right? I mean, like, if he doesn't get traded, he just sits on the bench. If he gets suspended, it doesn't matter. He's not taking a snap for the Texans. The, the him going to Denver is probably not a high possibility because they have both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, essentially, the Texans are have screwed themselves, and this is great news. I mean, I don't think Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are stopping them from trading for Deshaun Watson by any means, but. I, I do think it's it's the best case scenario if they just let him sit, right? If he just stews on the bench, they don't. I mean, I guess the idea would be that they will trade a draft or trade him after the season, and I mean, you'd still get the same picks for next year or whatever, probably. Um, so I I don't know what the plan is moving forward. There was a report that just came out actually that he will. Uh, the expectation is that he will be on the practice field today for the Texans, um, which I think he has to be in order to continue to get paid. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think that changes anything as far as the the actual outlook. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of an awkward situation that they're in now. They should have traded him. Um, back when he initially requested the trade, obviously. Um, but they tried to talk him into him with, you know, David Cully and uh, all this other stuff. I, I don't know what the they thought the big allure was going to be there. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a bizarre situation. It doesn't change anything, though. Um, yeah. we, we knew he wasn't going to be playing for the Texans. He said he wasn't going to be playing for the Texans. Everyone around it reporting has said he isn't going to be playing for the Texans. That's not news. I mean, it's, this isn't a money issue. This is, I right. hate everybody in the organization is, issue. That's is, not the players. Yeah. This is, I don't like Cal McNair and I don't like uh, what pastor Jack, you know, that, I don't like those guys and they, they did me wrong and I'm not going to play for them. So that is, yeah. And those and people aren't going anywhere. Right. And and let me clarify. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke by themselves prevent the, the Denver Broncos from trading Deshaun Watson. I think those two plus three first round picks are way too rich for them to trade this year before the season starts to Sean Watson. Just because I, I, I don't I don't you're, you're you're trading for a guy where you do have some contracts coming up with some younger guys there. 
in Denver, and you're trading for a guy that's going to eat up a lot of your cap space in 2022, we we know the cap space is going up, but it's not going to go up a huge, huge amount like it will in 2023 and 2024. So it's going to be enjoying away your future for a guy who may not play for this year. And let's say the investigation draws out his suspension and he doesn't even decide to play, just decides to sit on the bench. The NFL could hold off their suspension all the way into 2022. It's a pos it's a slim possibility, but it is a possibility. And and here's the thing too. I don't know why anyone would be terribly motivated to trade for him before the end of the season, because if you trade for him now, his cap hit comes onto your books right now. And obviously that not only affects this year, but also your rollover cap for next year and right. everything like that. So um, if you're going to trade for him now, only for him to not be allowed to play, which I cannot imagine the NFL is going to allow John Deshaun Watson to put himself on a football field in front of cameras and all everything else that goes with it until after this stuff is resolved. Um, because it would just be horrible for the league to have him be a, a huge storyline. I mean, he's he's going to be a huge storyline to some degree, but if he actually sets foot on an NFL football field in a game, that is going to be an even bigger storyline. So I, I think it's it's unlikely that he plays for anybody this year, or at least until this thing is resolved, and there's no end in sight right now for that. So it would be crazy for a team to just take on his salary right now for a guy that they can't use um, when, you know, you could just trade for him after the season or after this whole thing is over. Um, well, and and there's some clarity there. It's technically better for the Texans, I guess, to trade him after the season because if you trade him now, your first-round pick in 2022 that you get from the team that you trained for is probably more than likely going to be in the low 20s, you know, in the 20s and 30s versus if you – if like Denver sucks and they go five and 12, you're going to have a better 2022 draft pick. Right. So, I mean, it's a little silver lining there for the Texans, even though they're probably going to use it to draft some, some loser, but technically that would be the best case scenario. The best case scenario would be he's for him to play, but he's obviously not going to do that. But the second best case scenario is to technically trade him after the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, and you also get clarity on the picks that you're getting, right? I mean, right. it's not a guess. You could say, you know, hey, we've got to get a top five pick so that we can go get a quarterback or whatever. You will know who's going to have those picks. Like right now, they could guess. I mean, they could trade him to, I don't know, who do we think is going to be bad this year um, besides them. Well, see, he can elevate almost any team, maybe not every team to near playoff status, but every team. But if he doesn't play. Yeah. Well, that's play, true. If he doesn't play. Philly um, would be an, uh, Philly and Denver. I still think even without Deshaun, if they traded for Deshaun, are, are probably still bad situations. Philly's probably the worst one, um, I would say, because they have, you know, if he can't play, then it's Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I hope Jalen Hurts is good, but, you know, I don't think he's going to be. And that's a, still a piss-poor team all the way around, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say them or the Panthers would be the two spots where you would – maybe trade him and hope that they end up being uh, a, a terrible team that, that ends up, but either of those teams could end up actually being six and 11 or something like yeah. that. And, you know, getting into that seven, eight, nine pick range where you're really not getting a quarterback that you want and everything like that. So it probably, 
makes sense on all parties' parts to wait until after the season to do something. Well, speaking of miserable situations, let's talk about Vrabel's presser and about his comments about the team's defense not being miserable, even though it was historically bad. And speaking of miserable as well, the sound in those that press conference was atrocious. I could barely hear anybody but Joe Rexroad ask a question. And that is ridiculous. They, they got to get that fixed going forward. However, Vrabel's comments, your thoughts, Vrabel's comments on calling the defense not miserable. I mean, the defense was miserable. I, I don't expect Vrabel to come out and say that necessarily. Like, we know what Vrabel is at this point, right, as a public speaker. He's never going to come out and just trash anything, um, regardless of how bad it is. So I think – expecting him to just say oh yeah the defense was garbage awful it's embarrassing um it's just that's just not him I mean some coaches might do it and and that might be cathartic for uh, a fan base to hear that uh, come from their their head coach but Vrabel's not that coach he's never going to be and I don't expect him to say that at this point it's just not it's not who he is well there were some good comments that came out of this even though that most of it was just kind of you know normal talk it's, uh, Vrabel's very good at yeah. saying a lot of words without saying anything. Yeah, for sure. And it was a 28 minute long press conference. It, 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 you only, we only really got like four quotes out of it that I thought were worth talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, do, do you find that there's anything to, to him saying all the coaches that are, that come into contact with players or involved with coaching players are vaccinated? I do think you think there's a little leeway or do you think that's just him talking? I think that's helpful information. I think that's any coach that's on the field, which are the coaches that you'd cared about. Now he may be leaving some leeway to say that like, Hey, scouts and, you know, other assistants and stuff like that. We might have some unvaccinated guys in that group, but they're not going to be on the field coaching the players. So I think, I think it's pretty clear that the guys that we would consider coaches on this coaching staff um, are all vaccinated. Slightly disappointed that Shane Bone is vaccinated, Mike. I'm I'm fine. I like look, I'm <laughs> fine with Shane Bowen. I know he's you know he's he was terrible last year. We need to see better, but I, you know, I want to see what year two looks like at this point. I mean, we're this far down the road. It's not changing. Let's just let's just see what he's got. Vrabel believes in him. Maybe, maybe he believes in him for a reason. Um, I thought I know you you we, the last two comments, you got one that you really keyed in, in on, and I got one that I keyed in on, and that was Lawan and Saffold. He specifically talked about their leadership and about the great shape that they're in and how they showed up early and how and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, it only took Lawan several years to become the leader <laughs> that he was supposed to be. But them two, and he was saying this in reference to Dylan Radens and his development, this is sounding very good. And for a team that has been called into question over their offensive line by losers over at Bleacher Report, um, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, that's, that got me really, really hype. I know you're hype about the hot bods that we'll talk about here in a second, but I'm really hype about this. Yeah, no, I think it's exciting because, you know, Saffold is in tremendous shape and you, you've you seen his workout videos all, all summer. He is an unbelievable physical specimen, even still at what he's he's 33, I think. Um, but that guy is still in unbelievable shape and, and continues to get better, in my opinion. 
Um, and I know he was training all summer, by the way, too, with Nate Davis. So, I mean, that's that guy. Those two guys have been working hard. And Luan, if you've been listening to the Bustling with the Boys podcast, has been talking about he, I think the first, the only alcohol or the first alcoholic drink he had in 2021 was at Compton's wedding a couple weeks ago. And that's the only time he's drank. Oh, the, uh, it kind of looked, like, looked like that one hit him hard. Kinda yeah. Looked like yeah. a little bit like a lightweight. <laughs> So he, uh, so he has been very committed. I mean, obviously we all know Luan. Luan likes a good time, right? So, um, him giving up alcohol completely giving, uh, I mean, he is very strict on his diet and workout regimen. And if he's been talking about it all summer on that podcast about how committed he is to this plan and how hard he's working to get back. Yeah, he's and not he is, vegan, is he? No, he's not okay, vegan. Good. Um, but That's he is cut point. out, I think basically all all carbs um and, and he's gone very very uh hard into um this diet and, and exercise routine that he's been working to come back with and and really just being ex- like laser focused on what he puts into his body and making sure that he's in the best shape possible because and and he said this on the one of their most recent pods was he feels like he has something to prove now like he went to three straight pro bowls uh from 20 i think it was 2017 to 2019 um and then he had the ped season and then last year he had the uh um i know it was 16 to 18 and then 2019 he had the ped season and then 2020 he has the injury so he feels like he's kind of been forgotten a little bit among nfl circles and he feels like he has something to prove so I think you're going to see a very motivated Luan. It's great that he's going to be coming into camp, not on a PUP list or NFI list or anything like that. So he is healthy coming in, ready to ready to play right away. Um, and getting to see him and Saffold and Jones and Davis all paired together is exciting. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, part of the reason that those guys came in early, according to Vrabel was to work with Dylan Radins. Um, and, you know, we heard those guys talk a little bit last year when the Isaiah Wilson saga was dragging on about how they tried to reach out. They tried to put their arm around the rookie. They wanted him to kind of come in and be a part of the group. Well, it seems like obviously that didn't take, but it seems like Raiden's is certainly taking them up on that offer. And that's exciting too. The Raiden's buzz has been extremely positive so far um, from coaches, media, um players everybody who you you would want to hear talk about Raiden's progress it's it's all positive at this point well I'll say this I'm really glad that it it took getting to his eighth season for Taylor Lewan to uh, take this football thing seriously uh let's move into the hot bods uh comment by uh Vrabel is what I'm dubbing it but he talked about that Anthony Ferkser, Christian Fulton and Tier Tart came in and they look hot and sexy. They're all muscled up. They're all ready. They're, they're, they're ripped and shredded. That one really got you excited. Cause I know first off you, you're big Christian Fulton, Tier Tart and Anthony Ferkser, man. And those are your three dudes. If like there were three, my guys on this roster right now, since Trevor Simeon's no longer on it, it would be those three guys. So Ferkser, Tart and Christian Fulton, how hot are you under the collar? I started sweating immediately as soon as uh, Vrabel said those names out loud because you're right. Those those are three guys that I've gone to the mat for, <laughs> and he couldn't have picked three guys that I felt like were more tied to my you know quote unquote brand <laughs> than Ferkser, Tart, and uh, and Fulton. So, um, and in fact, I had uh, already 
pre-filled in the names. I was still working on writing out the the body of the article on um, uh, broadwaysportsmedia.com about the six most important players at Titans training camp, and all three of those guys were on there because um, all three of them are in huge spots this year. The Titans need them. Christian Fulton got almost zero uh, out of his rookie year. Like, he, he played 202 snaps. Um, he missed part of, you know, obviously got no rookie minicamp, no OTAs, no minicamp. Uh, only got like half a training camp because of a hamstring injury, um, got thrown out there. Then he got COVID, uh, came back, and then he got a knee injury and didn't come back to the very end of the year. So it was a year from hell for Christian Fulton. And, you know, when he was on the field, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, it, it was he was only targeted 17 times. So it's not like we got a huge sample size from him. But on a per-snap basis, he was – pretty rarely targeted which I think is a good sign for a rookie that means your guy isn't getting open all the time um but I think the traits that the the Titans believed in you still saw them the the quick uh match and mirror ability the ability to uh click and close out of out of your back pedal um and break on the ball you saw that stuff um from him as a rookie now I think him being in this defense and having an offseason to prepare and obviously an offseason that he took very seriously and came in in fantastic shape. And apparently Brable thinks, you know, he's looking hot and sexy and, and he's enjoying that beach bod now. Uh, that that gives me good vibes about Christian Fulton uh, heading into year two. And they need him badly. I mean, Janoris Jenkins is going to lock down one corner spot, but we don't know about all the other corner spots. I mean, Fulton's the guy that I think you'd most like to see step into one of those roles and then Farley obviously being another but he's he's going to start on the NFI list so we don't know when we're going to see Farley that that to me means Fulton's a starter week one I mean almost regardless of what happens and they need him to have a good camp they need him to build some momentum and some confidence heading into the year Um, so that's huge Tart kind of the same deal they they let Daquan Jones walk Um, he's the kind of and then Avery Avery Jones retired. So um Tart kind of is the de facto nose tackle at this point. Um and it seems like they're pretty comfortable just letting him roll with that job. Um, you know, we'd heard I'd heard already heard Mike Keith and Amy Wells talking about Tier Tart and re- remaking his body over the offseason on the official Titans podcast, and then Vrabel coming out and kind of reiterating that same thing. Is exciting. Um, yeah, he's going to be an important guy. The, the Titans don't have anybody that you really feel like you can rely on behind Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry. Um, and Tart stepping up into that third defensive line role would be huge for them. And if he can play at a high level, that could completely change the look of this defensive front because all of a sudden, if you've got Tart, who is, is an above-average starter, um, between the other two that we already know are at least above-average starters – that becomes a, a strength of your defense instead of a weakness, which it was, you know, the last couple of years. So um, that's huge. And then finally with Ferkser, I'm very interested to see what Ferkser looks like, honestly, because, you know, the last few years he's kind of got he's that like, long hair, Samson hair. He, he does. He has, so he has the man bun going on. He, he's kind of getting a little flow going. So I, I'm interested to see what he looks like. And, uh, and we did have an anonymous source t- tell us that, uh, uh, his his wife saw Ferkser as well as several other Titans uh, working out at a local school and that she described Ferkser as 
a huge white dude. So uh, the fact that he was described as huge was a little bit eyebrow raising to me because I never think of Ferkser as huge. Like obviously, like we met him three. in person, and he's not yeah. very tall, by the way. I mean, he's not I, huge. No. I was very stunned about how much I I could almost get to eye level. Like I feel you're taller than he. He's like in between me and you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm taller than everyone on the Titans roster right now. I'm pretty sure. Oh, um, well. But uh, I yeah, I was considerably taller than Ferkser, and I think we're probably about the same weight. Like he just was not a huge guy. But I'd, I'm interested to see if he's packed on some muscle because um, I know you know Jeff Swaim is going to be the inline blocking tight end first and foremost. I mean, he's going to handle those those duties. Um, and Ferkser's going to do his third down stuff. He's it sounds like he's gonna get a chance to do some red zone stuff, but it would be amazing for the Titans if Ferkser could become an every down tight end and be able to be trusted on the field in heavy 12 personnel sets and be able to block and and he doesn't have to become a mauler, he doesn't have to become George Kittle, but if he could become good enough to be able to get in the way, uh and, and just you know execute his job adequately as a blocker that opens up a lot for him because now all of a sudden they can run some of the tight end screen stuff that they ran with John U. Smith the last couple of years. They can run some of that. They can get him involved in the play action passing game on early downs, which is so critical to their success. So his ability to stay on the field on early downs is going to be huge for the Titans offense, I think. And I'm interested to see what this new uh, Ferkser bod looks like. Well, we'll, we'll have to wait uh, and see what it looks like in training camp in the uh, shirts and shorts that he'll be wearing Let's go to uh, position battles. We got five, technically four, in my opinion, position battles to talk about. But you you threw a fifth one in there that I'm not going to let you off the hook to explain yourself on. Okay. Um, we're going to start with the right tackle, Dylan Radens versus Kendall Lamb versus Tyson Brelo. Is this going to be a situation, in your opinion, that is going to end up kind of like what we thought would be with Isaiah Wilson last year? Is that in that it's going to be Dennis Kelly to start? Then, you know, they'll probably slowly transition to Isaiah Wilson. So in this case, it'd be Kendall Lamb to start and then, and transition into Dylan Thunder God Raidens. Or uh, is Dylan Thunder God Raidens going to eventually just be the number one guy? I'm taking I'm taking Raidens here. In this yeah, I'm I, taking Raidens too. I like it. I, I think I think he's uh, the buzz is strong with him. Lamb is just okay. And Lamb doesn't have that like track record that Dennis Kelly had, right? Either like he he hasn't been with the, the franchise for four years like Kelly had last offseason. Um, he's going to be learning just like Lamb or just like Raiden's is. And you know, while Lamb certainly the NFL experience helps him to some degree, um, Raiden's is doing everything right, and he has a higher upside. So I think if if they it, it's close, the tie is going to go to Raiden's, and I, I think Raiden's is going to make it close. I, th I think that if he stays healthy throughout the training camp process and he gets some good preseason snap looks in with the first team offense and, you know, they'll probably switch the two out right by game or series or whatever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll see some but, rotation. Yeah. But I, I think that if we see enough from him in preseason, I think it's going to be safe to say that it's going to be Dylan Raiden's job. Um, let's move to kicker Blake Heibel versus Tucker McCann. Tucker McCann was brought up yesterday that he looked very impressive last year before injuries kind of derailed his, his season last year. And they were super impressed with what he was able to do. Now, obviously they haven't brought in a, a kicker at this point, which I think that shows that 
they're at least going to get give this week for Tucker and Blake to kind of say, okay, they both look good. We don't need a kicker. At least one person looks good. We don't need a new kicker. But who is your? Who do you think is going to be the kicker by the by this? And do do the Titans have a kicker issue currently? I think they do have a kicker issue currently because you don't have any clue what these guys are, right? I mean, neither one's kicked an NFL football in a game, not even a preseason game because of the you know COVID last year. Um, so they do have a kicker issue just because neither neither of these guys have any experience. But um, my I'm, my pick here is going to be Hawbill. I, I think. Do we I just know have how a, to pronounce it yet? It's ha- it Hawbill, yeah. according to the the Titans pronunciation guide. It should be highball. 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 I mean, mean, he's a kicker. I mean, why not just lean into highball? Two Rod changed his name. Change your name. I mean, it's not too late. It's not too late. Um, But I'll go Hawbill, and I think he's he's a good kicker. I liked what I saw from, like, just watching a few of his kicks at Ohio State. Now, I'm not a kicker expert by any means or anything, but, um, you know, McCann certainly has the bigger leg, I would say. Uh, which may give him a little bit of a, a leg up. Uh, um, I like but, it. Uh, it's much yeah. better than your acne joke. I'll just say that. I don't know. I like the breakout season for, <laughs> for Sean Evans joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> you're for breakout season. I think, I think Hobbill gets the, gets the nod because I think he's just going to be a little bit more consistent than McCann. And I think consistency is key. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, Blake doesn't have an injury to deal with or to come back from. I think that helps his chances. Um, you know, it may help Tucker a little bit because he knows the drills or he knows kind of what the team's, you know, deal is and their their routine is. But I don't know if that really matters for a kicker. Uh, I, I guess it will depend on who's probably worked out with Morgan Cox the most at this point in the offseason. I mean, I'm surely – long snapper and kickers have been working out you know this offseason you would think together to build a chemistry but it'll be interesting i'm not too concerned about it i've said it before i'll say it again i'm not too concerned about it because there are kickers that you could just go pick up off the street that can fill in if you need to i i'm i'm more of a wait and see guy let me let me have a reason to be concerned i'm not gonna you know cause panic now and worry about who the kicker is we haven't even had training camp yet we, we don't yeah. know what they do. We know that we'll hear probably seven or eight tweets in a row from everybody the first time someone misses a kick, and you'll probably be one of them if you're watching the kicker field today. Um, oh, the kicker, the kicker uh, watch is going to be intense. Yeah. Quarterback two, Logan Woodside versus Deshaun Kaiser. Um, you know, I know neither of them are, are, the, are on the level as future Ring of Honor uh, – Blaine Gabbert, uh, who was the greatest backup quarterback that the Titans have ever had since Billy Volick, obviously. Um, it was amazing how he inspired Tom Brady yeah. to win a Super Bowl last super, year. I mean, super, super inspirational guy. I mean, they they just – everybody hinges on every word that he says in a locker room. And it's – I mean, the turnaround he did with Tom Brady's career – I mean, Tom Brady was nothing before he went to Tampa. And Blaine Gabbert just really took him under his wing and – helped him guide him to a Super Bowl. I mean, it was truly inspirational. And, you know, he he won two games for the Tennessee Titans without any help whatsoever and never being benched and never relying on a uh, um, gimmicky fake punt or fake kick or whatever it was in if, that I'm having a hard time recalling. But, you know, you know, just, you know, just a 
great guy. So neither of these guys are him, but Logan Woodside versus Kaiser, who do you got? Because I'm going Logan Woodside. You know, it's it's annual. We saw this all last year when Trevor Simeon, you did it with Trevor Simeon coming in. Oh, Trevor Simeon is so much better than Logan Woodside. You know, there's all these people that are, again, doubting Logan Woodside. There is something to say that this team was comfortable enough to ride with Logan Woodside as the quarterback to all through the regular season last year. And he's still here. Of course, they bring in another quarterback. They'd be crazy not to bring in another quarterback to create some competition back there. But Logan Woodside has the leg up. Yeah, I, I, I do think Logan Woodside starts the season as, as QB2, but I'm actually going to go against you. I'm going to go Kaiser ends up beating him out by the of end course. of uh, training camp. Because I for, for one, I, I think it's – I think his upside is certainly higher. Um, and if – Tannehill was to go down I would feel I would feel more like comfortable with the fact that Kaiser could possibly reach the level that they would need to win a few football games than Woodside would now I I don't know I mean I guess Woodside may be more reliable or, or he you know probably knows the offense a little bit better but I do think the coordinator um change gives a little bit of a reset uh, to Kaiser to give him a, a little bit more of an even playing field. Physically, he's certainly more impressive uh, than, than Woodside. Um, and I think it's going to be a fascinating battle, though. I, I think it's going to be um, very interesting throughout preseason. And I'm super excited to actually watch these guys in preseason because a good quarter, a good backup quarterback battle is wonderful for preseason action because there's there's very little at stake right like i mean i guess backup quarterback is important but it's not like uh you know your whole season is riding on who ends up being selected here it, it's uh it's a backup so there's very little at stake but the entertainment factor is very high so it's you know you get to watch and break down and look at you know oh this guy did this and this but that guy did that and that and and he was playing with these guys but no you know the other guy was it's going to be very fun it's going to make the preseason watchable all the way through um and i'm i'm excited for preseason football this year i really am like and i don't know that i ever have been i always get excited for the first game but i'm never excited for the whole preseason i think i'm going to be into the whole preseason this year let me say this deshaun kaiser has been in the league since 2017 we know what he is he's an he's a winless quarterback he's he started 15 games he's owned 15 he's not very good i don't care what anybody says oh he's athletic well Okay, great, but can he throw the fucking football? Obviously not. I mean, and I get it. Logan Woodside's very limited, but we saw Logan Woodside show major flashes in preseason action. Deshaun Kaiser, I mean, he he hasn't been on an active roster since 2018. He's always been practice squad since then. Now, he, Logan Woodside's been carried on a team for now the past two years, and he had the confidence of Art Smith and all this stuff. I just don't see that going away. I, I love that everybody, for whatever reason, though, uh, and, and, and listen, everybody's can have their opinions and stuff, but I love that Luke Warsham, I don't know what Logan Woodside has done to Luke Warsham, but Luke Warsham refuses to ever give Logan Woodside any props. I don't know what he's done. And it's and the same to you. Last year, Trevor Simeon. This year, you're taking Kaiser over him. I, I think you guys are just going to be wrong again. And it's going to be Logan Woodside. Now, whether that's a good thing, 
Probably not. Would I rather have Blake Bortles over Logan Woodside? You heard her here first. I would. I love it. I would take Blake Bortles over either of these guys because at least he has NFL extensive NFL experience where he's actually proven to be able to win some games and put up some yards if, if needed. Now, obviously, I if I were the Titans, I'd be calling Blake Bortles right now and then let all three of them battle it out. But, you know, Blake Bortles would win. I just I, – I, I think that if, if I had to pick one spot on the roster that needs upgrading – it is most definitely the quarterback two spot, in my opinion. I think the depth behind Ryan Tannehill is atrocious, but I think Logan Woodside's better than Kaiser. Let's yeah, go. It, it, oh, go ahead. It'll be very interesting. It'll be a very interesting battle. I don't but. think it'll be as interesting as you guys want it to be. I just think it will be Logan Woodside. I think it's just, it, I it, think it's wrapped you up. You may be right. You may be right. Let's move to nose tackle because this is interesting because you have Tierra Tart versus Naquan Jones versus uh, Anthony Rush who was recently signed, who is a 6'5", 350-pound piece of man. And he is going, in my opinion, and I just put it out on Twitter, uh, Justin Graver at Titans Film Room did his little you know, award or superlatives for the offseason. And I've been reading up on some Anthony Rush, dark horse candidate for sure, to take this nose tackle starting job. Listen, He's a, he's a he's a run defender, and that's what Daquan Jones mainly was for the most part was a run defender. And when you take the run stops versus the number of rush snaps that each of them played the last two years, so 2019 and 2020 for each, Anthony Rush has a better run stop percentage. And the man is big, 350 pounds, six five. I mean, that is a massive man. I think this. Spells doom for Naquan Jones. Now, Naquan Jones puts in the work, so I'm not ready to write him off yet. I'm not really ready to write off Tier Tart, but in limited action, Anthony Rush has been more impressive at his stops than Tier Tart was here last year. Now, we know that Tier Tart, hot bod, hot bod number two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that could totally change. And we know that Tier Tart can now hit the sleds, right? We, we know that that's possible and that matters. It's massively matters to the success in the NFL. Um, so are you, you're a Tier Tart guy. You like Tier Tart. Are you concerned about Anthony rush crushing your man in preseason battle? I am, I am team Tart. Um, but, uh, I, I, I guess I'm a little bit concerned about Russian. Like any anybody that large um, is just interesting, kind of in a, in and of itself. Just because at some point you just become so big that you're just physically hard to move because of your weight. Like and and Rush certainly looks the part. Um, if you see pictures of him, I mean this dude is absolutely enormous. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he looks like out there. Cause they do need like, they, they need a nose tackle um, because, you know, I know the NFL really has become a, um, you know, pace and space kind of league kind of, you know, it's all spread and run sideline to sideline and, and all that stuff. And, and the nose tackle has become a little bit of a um, dying breed, but it, you still need them in certain situations, you know, fourth and one, you know, with the, the game on the line or, or, you know, a goal line stand, um, which the Titans have become pretty good at making over the last few years. 
you need big bodies that you can throw in the middle that the defense just cannot push off the spot. Um, and I think rush uh, potentially does give them someone like that. So now I, I wouldn't want to spend a lot of money for that player because they're not going to play very often, but uh, well, Rush is the that's why they let Daquan walk. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so rush is the kind of guy that you grab and maybe you can stick in there and, and have him be uh, you know, successful on a few of those snaps um in short yarded situations so i think he's very much a situational guy uh if he does make the team but he's yeah he's going to be an interesting one to watch I, i'm still team tart though tart's going to yeah. be the guy I, I think at this point you could you could almost pencil in that tart and rush probably make the team and naquan's on the practice squad i mean that's where i would probably put it because really you could put tart in almost anywhere along the line because of his build um so i think you know, Rush obviously really fills in that Daquan run stopper role, in my opinion. And Tart can just be relief. But I think I think you're safe with either one of these guys in today's NFL and today's defense. I also think that Rush has a leg up because Anthony Sh- or Anthony Schwartz, Jim Schwartz, um, knows Anthony Rush, knows all about Anthony Rush from his time That's in true. Philadelphia. So. Um, I think that's something to keep an eye on when you're, when you're talking about these players is that it's kind of like, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, John Simon that just, uh, joined up with the, uh, yeah. the Titans, the Frable's familiar with him, right? Jim Schwartz is familiar Rabel with Anthony Rush. Coached him both at Ohio state and in Houston. Right. So I, I lean rush, but I think, you know, rush tart. It's, they're the same guy, and they're probably both going to make the team at that point. Now, you brought up the position battle of slot wide receiver. Now, that's, to me, some TMZ sports bullshit right there because it's Josh Reynolds, obviously, right? I mean, isn't Josh Reynolds the the number three wide receiver, the slot wide receiver? He has the most experience in the slot in the NFL out of the remaining wide receivers, not named Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. And obviously this team is going to move people in and out of the slot, right? So maybe slot's not the right term, but don't you think that Josh Reynolds, when it comes down to a three wide receiver set, is going to see the field with Julio and A.J. Brown before Cam Batson does? I think he's the clear favorite, but I I do think – I guess maybe this should be phrased less as a position battle and more of a – I'm interested to see how the wide receiver rotation shapes up behind – Julio and AJ Brown, because I, I I think, you know, obviously they like Des Fitzpatrick a lot. Um, They have liked Cam Batson a lot. There's some Mason Kinsey buzz out there. There's Marcus Johnson floating around uh, down the depth chart. There's Nick Westbrook Akine, um, who, you know, at one point people were floating the idea of him being, uh, you know, a, a piece that, that might make them okay at wide receiver. So, it's going to be very interesting because not all those guys are going to make the roster. Um, And I'm very interested to see how that pecking order shakes itself out. If Reynolds becomes a guy that is exclusively in the slot, or if it becomes a matchup based thing where they want to use Reynolds against certain guys, but then bats in against other guys because of, you know, size versus speed and all that stuff. So I'm interested to see how the snaps get shook out between that next tier of receiver Reynolds, Fitzpatrick, Batson, um, 
and, and you know possibly Kinsey if he works his way I, into that mix. I was about mix. to say, I mean, we're we're in training camp season, so uh, some wide receiver is going to get unnecessary hype by the Titans fan base and stuff, and going to be wowed by by this guy. Do you think Cam Batson makes the team? I'm not entirely sure that this guy makes the team. I think it is a direct battle between Batson and Kinsey. Uh, I think one of those two make it. The other one does not. Because Do you think they carry six? I think I mean, that's probably, where I lean, right? Because yeah. NWI, Nick Westbrook-Akine is obviously going to make it, right? I mean, he's played special teams. They probably. talked about him being the number two, supposedly, according to that athletic article that came out a long time ago. You know, which they, they didn't they, really talk about him being the two, but they talked they about got, him being a rotational piece. And they got Des Fitzpatrick as well. Um, I mean, I just don't know if there's a spot for Cam Batson unless he differentiate differentiates himself from the pack in the punt return and the kick return process. Because we know that Mason Kinsey is, and Marcus Johnson both are probably the leaders in that. So Cam Batson is probably going to have to overtake those guys. Here's here's where here's where I think it comes down to at wide receiver. I, I think it's very clearly Julio, AJ, Reynolds, um, Fitzpatrick. I think those four are pretty safe to make the roster. Um, and then I think there's two more spots that are, are available. And one is going to be Batson versus probably Marcus Johnson and Mason Kinsey. Uh, and whoever wins that battle needs to be the punt returner as well. I think Darrington Evans will handle kicks, so I'm not really worried about that part of it, but uh, they do need a punt returner. So out of those three, I think that that's your punt returner um, and, you know, backup receiver. And then I think you also have a battle between Nick Westbrook, Akine and racing McMath for, no, no, there's no battle the, for the last wide receiver spot. That is also probably your gunner on punt team going to play on your kickoff coverage team um, and give you that kind of special teams uh, ability as well. So I think those are the the six spots so I think it's it's the the four that we talked about up top, and then it's a you know McMath NWI battle, and then a uh, uh, Batson Kinsey Marcus Johnson battle, and maybe Chester Rogers or Fred Brown or whoever else you want to throw into that mix. But I, I think really the it's those battles for those last two spots that'll it'll come down to there. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think McMath is is anything to be really concerned about. I, I don't know. They may they could carry seven, I guess, if they really felt that they both do it. But I really feel like NWI probably has the leg up on the competition because if you need because we've seen him go on the outside for this team in some spots. So I kind of feel like he has the the advantage there. Um, just real quick. Get your thoughts on the Olympics. Are you watching? Do you care? Are you just casually watching and commenting on the big things? I mean, it's it's kind of an odd broadcasting bird. It's it's kind of hard to watch. The schedule's a little haphazard. It's being advertised as 2020, even though it's 2021. I don't know why they just couldn't change the graphics. Um and the USA kind of sucks. So um, where are you at on the Olympics right now? I, I'm not watching it at all, actually, and and I've I've always watched the Olympics. Um, I always always enjoyed them. I have found it a little bit difficult to 
really dial in on, you know, what's going on at what time and everything like that. And, and so that makes it difficult. Um, and yeah, I just guess my interest level just isn't really there right now. It's, you know, training camps about to open. We just came off of, you know, NBA finals and, and everything else like that. And yeah, I just guess the Olympics just kind of falls into some, you know, hole for me. Cause I mean, as you know, my, my days are pretty eaten up right now, schedule wise anyways. So, um, finding time to squeeze in, a, a whether I want to watch a TV show, um, or watch the Olympics, I'm choosing the TV show right now. Like I would rather spend an hour in the evening, which is really like all the time I get anyways, um, watching some show that I like rather than watching some Olympic sport that, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it or, or what else, whatever else is happening. Um, I, I'm just not that into it this year. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of, it's, it's just, I watch it when I can. And when I'm out somewhere, I'll watch it, but it's really hard to watch. Uh, last thing, bunch of COVID news this morning, Lamar Jackson, COVID, Xavier Rhodes, COVID, TJ McCary, COVID, both with the Colts. Frank Reich got COVID. Um, COVID's, running rampant through some of these locker rooms. Um, and then we also have TJ Ward uh, telling, uh, basically saying to Ron Rivera that, um, you know, Hey, you, uh, you smoke cigarettes, so you deserve your cancer. Thoughts um, thoughts on all this COVID shit that keeps going crazy and the comments by these players that are absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the testing news is all, you know, I, I guess I'm not that surprised that we're getting a bunch of positives coming into camp. I mean, you've got thousands of players coming in and, and with the Delta variant and everything spiking, it's not that surprising that people would test positive. Cause yeah, I mean, even if you're vaccinated, you can, uh, you know, still get it and test positive and stuff like that too. So um, it, it's all that is, is interesting. I'm hoping it starts to settle down as, as you know, we get into the season obviously, and we don't have another season where we're having to track COVID news constantly, although I'm a little bit worried that we are going to be there uh, again. So, but the TJ Ward comment, oh my God. I I mean, I thought Cole Beasley was going to run away with like the most ill-informed, dumbest uh, takes on COVID vaccines, but TJ Ward coming out and saying that Ron Rivera should not be coaching because he has had cancer and he had cancer because of his quote unquote life choices. Uh, what are you talking about, dude? Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start with that. It's the possibly the worst tweet in the history of Twitter. Um, and there are some bad ones out there. Unbelievably bad. He did delete it in his backtracked and tried to explain himself, but what a terrible tweet. Ron, this is what uh, the Bleacher Report put it out. Ron Rivera says he's beyond frustrated that so many Washington players are unvaccinated. The coach is immune deficient following cancer treatment last year. TJ Ward decides to hop in BR's mentions, or I guess not mentions, hop in the thread and throw out three wild tweets that I'm about to read for you. Tweet number one, just park the riverboat. His health is beyond that of COVID. Maybe it's time to let it go. Tweet number two, don't blame the players for your lifelong health decisions. And tweet number three, at some point, you got to pay for them vices. 
Cancer runs in my family like many American families, but also bad diets and cigarettes do as well. Except responsibility, except for he spelled it E-X-C-E-P-T. Don't blame me and be disappointed in your 23-year-olds because they because they have their own bodies and opinions about their health. Oh, like, my God. I, I This cancer runs in my family, but, hey, in your family, Ron, it's because you have vices and you smoke cigarettes, even though there's no way T.J. Ward could possibly know the extent of those vices in anything. Because let me tell you something. Again, I reiterate. Players don't know fucking shit about anything. They know how to play football, and some of them don't even do that very well. And they don't know anything. They don't know anything about the personal lives of these coaches. They don't know anything about the owner's health. I go back to the story, Will Compton on our show at Draft, and I asked him about uh, Mark Davis's haircut, and he doesn't even know who that guy is. And he went and played for the Raiders that year, didn't even know who the <laughs> owner of the Raiders was. <laughs> These players don't know anything. And why feel the need to hop into a Bleacher Report Twitter thread to drop this? Could you not have just kept it to yourself? Could you not have texted your girlfriend or your wife or, I don't know, anybody else your thoughts instead of putting it out on Twitter to make yourself look like a total dumbass? Like, I do not get the need for people to tweet everything that pops in their head. It's, it's yeah. remarkable how informed, misinformed these players are. And what's funny, and this is a tweet that I just loved, and I, and I do not remember off the top of my head who wrote this tweet, but I saw it in a reply in a thread. Basically, that these players who get on to writers and analysts who never played the sport of football won't listen to scientists who have committed their whole lives to the 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 notion of science and, and fixing this disease, they won't listen to. Yeah. But, but they, they also expect reporters. They, they say you don't have any uh, qualifications if you haven't played football. Uh, so you, you have to shut up talking about football. That's very, you know, <laughs> where, where's the, uh, the, uh, you know. Oh, and he called it a vaccine mandate there. too. He, oh, he, yeah, I yeah. saw it in another tweet that he put uh, it's a vaccine mandate by the NFL. And he says that once Tom Brady reveals that he doesn't have the vaccine, that's going to turn the whole NFL over. It said, well, let me say this. I would venture to say that with Bruce Arians and everything, I think most of the uh, players on the Buccaneers will probably end up vaccinated because Bruce Arians is pretty hard nosed about it. And now I've been doing some research. The Buccaneers have a color coded wristband system and we'll end on this where it's yellow if you uh, are not vaccinated. Red if you are. Now, Tom Brady must wear his on the w- one that he wears his playbook on, the, so you don't get to see it. But you do get to see which it, players are vaccinated and unvaccinated. Is it outside the building or inside the building? It's Vrabel outside the building. That, for, okay, for them, for the Buccaneers, okay. it's outside the building because you can see players that uh, – some of them, their gloves cover it up, but you can see players that aren't wearing gloves or wristbands with the red ones and the yellow ones on. Gotcha. Uh, so it's specifically for them. I think it's going to be uh, masks for everybody that now – Tom Pellicero tweeted out last night that masks are, are for people that are unvaccinated out on the practice field, I think, when they're not practicing. Uh, okay, interesting. So that, that may be the only way that we know. Yeah, Titans right. Camp yeah, the Buccaneers made theirs a little bit more public and colorful. So eventually yeah. you'll probably see who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. Yeah. Um, but 
All that to say is stay safe out there. It's Delta variants starting to come back, starting to creep in. Be safe out there. Uh, you know, don't take any unnecessary risks or chances just to prove people wrong that or whatever. Just just be safe. And on that note, be safe out there. Hydrate Mike at training camp. It is a sweltering, humid, humid mess. Drink plenty of water. Don't have a heat stroke. That's not the kind of news we want to be making over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. So stay hydrated. Stay safe. Put out some good tweets. Get us some hot pod reports while you're out there. This has been Football and Other F-Words. This next few weeks, we've already had three drops this week. But these next few weeks, Justin Mello has been interviewing players on the Tennessee Titans and get some in-depth interviews with them. Go in there. They're free. Go in there and check them out. Great content. He's got tons of them lined up. Keep it coming. And go in there and read them. You can catch all of our stuff at broadwaysportsmedia.com. This has been Football and Other F-Words. You have been, just been f A Broadway Sports Media Production.